The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello. Welcome to this World Cup edition of Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Foudy. I'm Lynn Ozawi. This has been such a fun run of World Cup episodes, and we are bringing the heat for bringing our final installment. Oh, yes. Because why have only one goat when you can have two goats on? Joining us is two-time World Cup champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, four-time national champion at the University of North Carolina. Four. That's right. It's Mariel Ham. Could have been you. Could have been you. <laughs> Could have been all of us. And World Cup champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, NCAA national champion, not four times, but at least you got one. I didn't get any. Abigail Wombok. Yeah. Yay. The crowd goes yeah. wild. Four Let's national go. championships, Hammer. That's yeah, right. amazing. Someone had to do it. Abby, you were the highest all-time goal scorer for the U.S. Women's National Team. And mm-hmm. Mia, you're number two on that list. And I am number 5,743. <laughs> <laughs> And as we know, Abby's crushing it on our podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. So we love your podcast, Abs. Thanks. So get comfortable listening. It's Mariel and Abigail, and we're talking the World Cup final. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing One last time, Jules. Where in the world is Julie, Julie Foudy? I am still in Williamsport. Oh, Little League. Yes. Yeah, I'm doing Little League World Series. And so, yeah, I'm stateside. I'm on the east side. I had the game start for me at 6 a.m., which was a big bonus for Mm. you 3 a.m.ers out there. Brutal. On the west coast, yeah. Yeah. That, That had to have been brutal. It was. It was only, I only got up. I actually really only got up because my one, one of my kids was like, we're waking up for the final, right? And I was like, yeah, we're totally going to wake up. Of course, of course we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I slept through a little bit of the second half, but I, I made it. Abby and Mia, where are both of you? SoCal. Yeah. SoCal, LA, in the middle of a huge, you know, tropical Hurricane. storm. Hurricane. Hurricane. <laughs> we just earthquake. had an earthquake. <laughs> what yeah. is happening? They, it, it can is, only go up from here. <laughs> you can only get better. Be like, yeah, it's like the whole of California is just going to float away into the sea. Yeah. All right. Lynn, before we get to World Cup stuff. Yes. Most important, what is your t-shirt? Okay, for the final of the World Cup, I went with my Brandy Chastain homage t-shirt solid and mia you actually are on it you're you're in the distance running to celebrate julie you're nowhere to be found though in the background wasn't fast enough to be even close enough i was last in the back (laughs) (laughs) what's great is you can launder that shirt on brandy's abs so it's good it's like (laughs) built-in laundry board All right, so I wanted to hit on a couple topics. We, of course, will get to the United States, but we need to pay our due respect to Spain, which we're crowning a new World Cup champion. We knew, of course, that was going to happen with the last four left. All hadn't 
won a World Cup. But I also want to then eventually get to what this means for the U.S. and where we should be focused on the U.S. in the future. But can we slow clap for Spain? (laughs) Holy cow. Because, and I am curious to get your guys' take on this, because I am a little bit conflicted given all of the turmoil that has been going on with the Spanish Federation and controversy in the last year. I mean, their ability to be to pull this off without even their top team there. And it is a story. I'm not sure how much traction it gets outside of the soccer world, but it is a really interesting story because they did this without a lot of their really good top players there. I will name a few. Mappy Leon, their center back. Patri, who is a uh, center midfielder. Uh, the goalkeeper for Barcelona. Paños, who is also their goalkeeper with the national team. Claudia Pina. Quick backstory for context. They got in a huge fight with their federation about a year ago. 15 of the players, they uh, sent a letter to the Federation saying that they um, wanted the head coach Jorge Vilda removed. And the Federation basically said, how dare you as women ask for such things? They slapped him on the wrist and said, you need to apologize, which I thought was the most ridiculous response by a Federation ever. And so it ends up they got about half of that group back, maybe not quite half. They got Paredes back. They got Bon Mati back, which was huge. Paredes was huge. Caldente, is that how you say it? Is that right? Anyways, they got um, some big names back. But still, Puteas, of course, she wasn't her full self. But that was a Spanish team that won it without even their full team there. Can we yeah. just, like, reflect on that? And, and the spine of their team, like, to take that out. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, they, like... Those are such important players for you and their response and the way they grew in the tournament and just, I mean, the the game this morning was just a clinic in terms of movement, both on and off the ball, um, how to deal with pressure. Like I think what they did really well in this game, as opposed to the game against Japan is they found that long outlet pass. Where, you know, and that was credit to Japan. They kind of shut them down, but they were able to kind of deal with initial pressure and then play that kind of long diagonal ball to, to release their player. And mm-hmm. I mean, the goal was from an area that that was um, vacated by Lucy and they just took yeah. advantage of it. Lucy Bronze, the right back. Yeah. And then Olga Carmona comes in and slams that one home. It was a nice finish. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, it's really good. I think about, I think about the context of like what you must be going through as a team, right? Like, and there's, we've all been on teams that we've played for coaches and we've all been on teams that we've played in some ways just for ourselves (laughs) in spite coaches. Um, And that is, that is a really unifying thing that teams Mm, can feel Um, so we can get into the tactics. But to me, it was a team that was going out there despite the challenges, despite not having Mm -hmm. their full starting lineup to prove that they are worthy. Um, And the fact that they have this win, I think gives them a lot more leverage in many ways. And I think you can also counter that. And, and the opposing view is like, well, they didn't need all their players. They don't need more support. They don't need to be listened to and they can still win. So it is complicated. Um, but I, I just saw a group of women that really came together. I mean, God, the football that they played. Like, mm-hmm. I never played football like that. I was, 
<laughs> I was like, I am so glad that I'm retired now because I would not have succeeded in, I think, the modern game. Not true. Not true. You so, would have adapted. Someone said, on, someone said on Twitter, it reminded me of the old U.S. Women's National Team days. And I was like, wait, what? No, we? <laughs> Let's be clear. Thank you. First of all, thank you. But we never played like that. I mean, there's a fluidity and grace to them and a balance and skillfulness that um, we knew was coming for sure because we'll go into that a little bit later. I've got some stats that are going to make you really happy on their success with their U.S. Youth, sorry, with their youth, youth national yeah. team for Spain. So we knew it was coming, but I, I honestly thought like, well, maybe not this World Cup because they're missing some of those key players. And having said that, the U.S. played them without any of those players in October of last year and lost to them 2-0 in Spain. So that should have told us something. Mm -hmm. um, and it didn't even look like they were on the same pitch with them. So, um, yeah, I'm, I am happy, though, that it's a new country that's winning it as well and that um, we're just going to see this explosion of growth in Spain, as we knew. It's, it's there. Those guys have, have really set the stage for that because of all the success they've had. What did you think about all the other teams, like just general thoughts on World Cup and their success? Because that was surprising to me as well. I thought it was amazing. I, I, I think both, you know, watching at home and then being kind of over in Australia and New Zealand, the excitement around the tournament, but just, you know, Philippines getting a win, South Africa advancing, Nigeria, despite everything they've been going through, um, taking England to penalties, um, Colombia, just all these both team performances and individual kind of moments of brilliance all over the tournament. And I think about the first game with New Zealand kind of upsetting Norway and that really, that excitement and that energy, mm -hmm. um, you know, started off the tournament with a new perspective. Cause I'm sure all the teams watching, they're like, Oh, it's on like anything mm -hmm. can happen. And, um, and it helps the growth of the game so much. Yeah. Um, because these players go back and they, they create a fan base that maybe wasn't there. And, you know, Abby, you talk about like their success. I mean, what's crazy is men's programs don't think that way. They don't sit there and go, Oh, great. We won a world cup. You know, we don't need to do anything anymore. <laughs> like we don't need to invest more money. It's like, no, we, we need to take advantage of this time and make the most of it. And it's almost like they double down and say, you know, we, we have, whether it's these core of players for only a certain amount of time, and we need to make sure that, uh, you know, we're as successful as we can be and use those players to help influence and inspire the next generation. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping the Spanish Federation kind of really leans into this and, and embraces Mm -hmm. what not just these women have done, but all their youth teams. And, um, you know, with these small investments, you know, in the grand scheme of things, to see uh, the results that these teams have had is just mind-blowing. Yeah. That for me is like the most amazing thing. Knowing how invested U.S. soccer has been for all these years um, and some of the countries are catching up, you have these these lesser-known countries in terms of soccer, women's soccer, 
that are finding their way and getting deep into the tournament. And that's just, it's, it's so good for women's football worldwide, but, and we, the U S we have to step it up, right? Like the, to me, we have to keep improving our youth development. I mean, to me, it looks like Spain is creating a dynasty. Like the thing that we just did for like the last, however many years, 40 years, how old are you guys? How long have you guys played? I old. Mean, long time. <laughs> 30, like 40, 32 plus or minus a couple decades. Yeah. Spain is there. They have the, 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 the pieces in place to create a, a literal dynasty. Like the U S women's yeah. national team has, has done and they've done it with such little support, you know, yeah. I mean, imagine what can happen when the professional leagues actually start paying their women players more, yeah. when the Federation starts, you know, listening and, and abiding by what the players might need to even perform better. Um, sky's the limit. It's just such a fun freaking world cup to watch. So fun. Mm -hmm. Sadly, us got knocked out early on, but still a lot of growth, a lot of amazing things to see. Okay, let's talk the US then. <laughs> okay, let's go there. I know you've probably heard my thoughts on this. Maybe you haven't, but um, I'm interested in the, the rest of the podcast <laughs> Dope Village has. So uh, I'm interested in your two thoughts on the US and and just like where where things went wrong. And and then we'll we'll talk future later. But first, let's just talk like this tournament and what what the hell? What the hell happened? Go on, Abby. I can see it. Ugh. I mean, look. I I take the vantage point of trying to siphon my experience through what I think the players are experiencing, the current team's players. Um, I'm not looking to criticize them. I'm just looking kind of where the gaps were. I think we had a bunch of injuries that we didn't really talk a lot about. You know, I think that um, Mal Pugh and um, obviously Becky Sauerbrunn, during the first couple of games, I, I said to Glennon, I was like, I just don't know if we're going to go deep this, this, this run. It, it, I just don't know. I don't think I see it. I don't feel it. I want it. Of course, I want them to go deep every time. Um, but there was just like this special sauce that we are privy to for the most part when we watch this team play that it just wasn't fully there. And that's not necessarily all the players fault. That's not necessarily all the coaches fault or U S soccer's fault. It just, sometimes it's just not there. It wasn't there in 07 when we played, it wasn't there for a lot of world cups and Olympics that, that I played in. Um, and I don't have a single answer why that's the case, but I do think it's really important how we talk about it because you know, there's some commentators out there that opinionate and that's their job. That's their, that's what they're getting paid to do. But we have to be really mindful of how we speak about these women who have changed the pay equity, changed the way we, we, we view things. And we expect them and we want them to win, not just because we're former players, but because we're fans. Uh, and we also are invested in the professional leagues here and we really want soccer to grow and grow in the right direction. So I think, I think that, that the women's national team, and I think that they would say this, there was just something missing. And I don't know if that's a player or, um, two players. I, I'm not sure. They're just, it just didn't, it didn't ever really fully come together. Like I'm mm -hmm. sure that they had hoped it did. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mariel? No, I, yeah. <laughs> I think those are all re- really good points, Abby. I, I just watching them, um, you know, when I got over to Auckland, it just seemed that the system didn't match the players, mm-hmm. the personnel. And um, you could see they were frustrated mm-hmm. in it. And that's when kind of your leadership, your coaches, not just your head coach, but all the staff needs to look at how can we put them in the position to be successful? Um, you know, and and I think about what, you know, I, I look at Trinity Rodman kind of playing off the flank and against Sweden, she had so many chances, you know, in, in the Sweden game was by far our best one, um, just weren't clinical enough. And I think the players would tell you that, that they felt good about their effort and their performance, um, you know, but as England after this past game, they had chances, but you know, previous games, they were much more clinical in front of goal. Today, they were not. What does that mean when you say clinical? It means um, at least those half chances, you're putting them on frame. And you're giving yourself a chance um, to have the ball hit the back of the net. And um, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's nerves or or fatigue, there's a lot of factors that kind of come into it. And, but, but I just look at, you know, the Sweden game, they seem to get the midfield shape much better mm-hmm. with the two, you know, two sixes. I think mm-hmm. it created um, an anchor for their defense and really kind of slowed down Sweden's counterattack. And, but prior to, I just look at the formation and I was like, these players know what they need to do, but you know, you had players running into the same space. Um, con- not just like one time, but constantly. <laughs> and, and that's more of, you know, lack of playing together, but a lot of the times it's the system, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're probably used to playing more of a two front. Mm-hmm. And um, so that yeah. to me just looked like they were trying to, put players in, in, in a system that didn't kind of fit their strengths or their skill set. Yeah. And I think too, like immediately you saw with a switch of the system, which was necessitated only because Rose Lavelle couldn't play. Right. So they had to go to that double pivot six in midfield. All of a sudden you're sitting two holding midfielders and it's a totally different build out. It's a totally different look. But that's where I go, well, why don't we have that flexibility ahead of time? Like, how are we not working? I mean, we saw uh, Serena Wiegmann, the England manager, start with a four back, and she was in a 4-3-3, realized it wasn't working, switched to a 3-5-2. They were able to do that, had a lot of success. She actually switched in the final today at halftime from a 3-5-2 to a 4-3-3. Like, and we didn't have – I just felt like we had none of that flexibility. Yeah. Um, and – and maybe someone would say to me, well, you weren't in practice every day and the players couldn't do it. But I, you know, we see them do it every day mm-hmm. <laughs> at the professional level where they're they're playing and they're creative. And maybe they're not as creative as Spain. I don't think many are, but like that's not 
the group we've seen before. The problem is, I, honestly, like in the last year, you said, you know, Abby, in the beginning of the tournament, you were like, you turned to Glenn in. For the last year, I'd call a game and I'd turn to my play-by-play guy and go, oh, shit, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. yeah. Right? And then there'd be an injury. Or Mal Pugh, before she was injured, would put everyone on her back and save them. And then it would kind of mask that there was an issue because she would save them and they'd get out of some terrible game. So, Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I would say, and I don't really know Vladko at all, I respect anybody who steps into that position. It's not an easy job to have. It's brave. It's brave. Yeah. yeah. But one of the things that I would say that I don't necessarily fully believe in is that you want to be friends. Like I, I read a quote mm-hmm. that he wanted to be friends with the players. And I think you can be friendly, but like mm-hmm. to be the coach, to have to make really difficult decisions, um, to have a plan and have to have those hard conversations I don't necessarily think that friendship would be like a priority of mine in terms of leading the women's national team. Um, That may come by just the way things are um, and the way things go. But I do think you have to have, that's what your assistant coaches are for in my mind to have Hmm. that connection, to have like the, the heartbeat of the team to, to, to have that friendship feel. But as a head coach, you got to be able you got to be able to take somebody off the pitch who's one of the best players in the world when they're not performing in a game and not worry about your relationship with that player because it's going to be what's best for the team um and i just think that you know moving forward finding the right person to 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 kind of reset i i do think we need a reset right like watching what Spain has done with all of their world championships from the youth programs all the way up now to the senior team. Um, when's the last time our youth team won a world championship? Oh, let's go into that. Thank you for <laughs> asking. Hey, <laughs> wait, can I just add one last point Yeah, that I haven't talked about with the U S team that has kind of irked me is that there was always a feeling with our successful teams, when people say to me, what's the common denominator of all the teams that have won? It's like, there was a there was a unifying feeling and love for each other that was like, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you felt it. And again, I'm not in the locker room, I'm not on the field, so maybe this is unfair, but I'm just saying from an outsider's, well, kind of an insider, outsider, uh, that like, how do you not have someone, Spain even had a person working with their team, which they said was, you know, huge, like a sports psychologist type that, or a team chemistry type of, uh, as we know with Dr. Colleen Hacker and, uh, and all that she's done with the team. And, and over the years, we've had different people come through, but like, how do you not have someone that's bringing them together when everyone, you know, I heard one excuse like, oh, players have their own personal psychologist. I was like, well, so what? Like, yeah, like, yeah. And you have a goalie coach and you have a speed and strength coach. And like, and as they get more famous and make more money, they're all going to have their own coaches. You don't say, well, that's a reason that you don't bring someone in that ties it all together. Because I felt like it was so disjointed on not just a technical level, but like an emotional level, if that's I don't know if you felt that way, but I, that's the one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately. I'm like, no, I Jules to, to that point as well. I look at some of the, the games leading up to the final roster and I would, I was watching kind of holding my breath going, 
a lot of these players have no idea where they stand. Yeah. Like no clue. Cause I'm, I'm watching them go into tackles and I was like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't, they don't think they have a chance to make this roster unless they do something extraordinary here. And I have no idea if, if that's valid, but mm-hmm. just watching the game, I was holding my breath a lot. Like the, the game where Mal got injured, I was like, as soon as she hit her head, I'm like, get her off the field. Like what? Yeah. That was walk- before she got injured. Yeah. You walk up to her and say, I don't need to see one more thing from you. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're our starting nine and um, just have a seat and cheer on your teammates. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, and yeah, then I, she, about that. I, I, I think it's hard to the complication of, because when we played, we had a lot of time together as a, a, yeah, a full that's team. That's true. And so the complications of now having these pro pro yep. league teams that these players are now playing in with different coaches, different styles, different players, it's hard to get that. And if I'm Vladko and I don't see that that connectivity yet, I'm still playing the people. Even if even unfortunately players did get injured in in those last games. Um because if you don't see it, it's like how how are we going to know that it's going to show up in in the World Cup? It's it's you're mm-hmm. there's no win in this situation if you don't feel like there's any kind of team organization or team that mentality. I mean, Jules, I didn't know that they didn't have like a um, a sports psychologist person that they could all kind of unite with and around. Um, there was That's no running around in circles drinking champagne and like hitting <laughs> balloons together. <laughs> I don't think. My <laughs> oh, God, I miss that so much. Okay, back to your question, Abby. Thank you for the perfect segue. Um, the last time a U.S. under 20 national team won a World Cup was, can you guess? Was when uh, Tony was the coach. 2004. 2012. Wow. I can't remember if Tony was the coach there. So the last time the U.S. won an under-20 Women's World Cup was in 2012. They finished fourth place in 16, 2016, ninth in 2018, 11th in 2022. And the last two times, they failed to even get out of their group for the under-20 side. For the Mm under-17s of the U.S., right? The best result ever, they've never won an under-17 World Cup. The best result was in the inaugural under-17 World Cup. The U.S. finished second. And uh, since then, most recently, they failed to get out of the group in 2016 and 2018. And they lost to Nigeria in the quarters in 2022. Okay, let's look at Spain. Spain has won the (laughs) 2018 under-17 World Cup. They've won the 2022 under-17 World Cup. They finished second in the under-20s in 2018, and they won the 2022 (laughs) under-20 World Cup. Oh, and it's not (laughs) going to get any easier for the United States because, I mean, look at beyond Spain, uh, you've got Nigeria, who they lost to, as I said, in the quarterfinals and, of course, had such a good tournament here. You've got the Colombians. You've got African nations. You've got Australia with this huge boost. I mean... Oh, damn. Come on. 
How do we solve that, kids? Mm. Because the other thing, too, that you're fighting against, your earlier point, is like, we don't have this culture of soccer. These Spain has grown up on living and breathing and sweating soccer. And I mean, that's so even the women who haven't been playing, this is what they've been watching. So these countries that have a culture of soccer are now getting into it. How much do you think is just in Spain is their federation or how much of that responsibility is fallen on the clubs like uh, mm. Barcelona, Real Madrid yeah. um, to develop these players? Yeah, I think a lot of it is at the club level. Yeah, for sure. And that's where you're seeing is like the English women's clubs have gotten bigger and all these global iconic clubs have added women's programs and, and invested in it. Like the English game has grown a ton. You know, we're seeing it slower, but when obviously Barcelona and Real Madrid and in Spain for the women's side as well. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it, the, the one benefit we have in the United States is we have millions of kids playing because of Title IX. And so we have volume. But what we do with that volume, um, which has always benefited us, but going forward, like it can't just be volume, of course. It's got to be um, that we're developing Quality. them in a different way. Yeah. In a different, yeah. And, and that's a, a whole other podcast series. I understand that, which we might have to take on. <laughs> But just, you know, just to make you feel good. <laughs> I feel overwhelmed listening to this. How do you just restructure an entire youth system when another country is so far ahead, clearly? I wouldn't say that they're so far ahead. Okay. Um, I would say that, that their youth programs, it seems like with the success of their youth programs, that they're, um, that they have figured something out that we haven't maybe at the mm. youth level. Mm-hmm. Um, because the truth is, look, I don't think that our team played like they wanted to. I don't think that they they shined in this World Cup. But like, we're talking about a couple of penalties, and you don't know how the U.S. shows up in later rounds, like in those knockout round games. Yeah. Like, we're talking about a f- few fucking penalty kicks, which is a stupid. I've been on both sides of it. You miss some, you make some. That's just the way it goes. Mm-hmm. And then you don't know what happens in the rest of the tournament. So like, we can get all in the 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 minutia of what's wrong and get rid of this coach and that it's like, we have to remember that we have a system and a culture that is supreme and has always been supreme. And we just have to keep tapping into that. Now that doesn't mean we rest on that laurel. Like we actually have to grow and invest more. Um, I don't have that solution, but I do think we can't, like we don't need to blow up something that isn't yeah. necessarily broken. It's just like we need to fine tune it a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we don't no. have to blow it up, but we definitely need some changes. And for it, sure, yeah. the pay to play model and the fact that we're missing so many kids that you know just can't afford to get in or maybe can't get to practices for all these different various reasons. And and it will be interesting what happens, you know, with the college model whether people would rather play overseas or play professionally earlier and go on as we're seeing rather than play collegiately, which has always kind of been our structure, especially on the women's side. I mean, we obviously have seen that, that shift on the men's side and them going to Europe or playing in academies overseas, but, oh, it's all going to be very interesting. There's a lot. (laughs) That's above our pay grade. I'm so glad that I don't work for us soccer. Isn't it so (laughs) awesome? I'm so sorry, Cindy. I've had all these people here at Little League World Series saying, why don't you be the next coach? And I was like, what? <laughs> Hell no. 
that's so much work. Why would I take that on? No, I and, never and I, I think we really need to, we have so many talented players. Like that national team was incredibly deep and talented. Um, you know, like you said, Abby, just with something was off and, you know, they'll bounce back. They've, they've showed it leading into the tournament with their play and, um, you know, we can't neglect some of the performances that happened during this World Cup and, you know, be grateful that that experience is going to help our team grow. And, you know, obviously some serious kind of soul searching on, on how we can improve because the world is, you know, Spain and England are doing it differently. And how do we use kind of them and as as an example of how we can improve and use the structure that we have to take advantage of whether it be the the youth numbers or the collegiate game because I look at the collegiate game and I'm like those are some of the best facilities in the country and how do we make that more you know amplify that with regards to um, you know and some of the best coaches in the game as well. Like how, how do we take them and make them a part of, you know, yeah. the puzzle and get them to, in the to mix be better. Like, yeah. You know, Lynn had a really good question. She's like, why, why aren't there more American women in the mix? I'm like, I know it's a great question. Yeah. And to your point, Mia, I was thinking about USA basketball and they often tap, well, they usually tap college coaches to lead that team. So Don Staley back in the day, Tara Vanderveer. And just as an outsider, it doesn't, that's where I'm looking at. I don't understand why the U S has to keep going to foreign coaches and particularly men as well. Yeah. Our pipeline is not built well enough for sure. And I think there are women, but like the thing that we always come across in any in industry is like, you've got to prove yourself 700 times over and then they're like, yeah, but let's go hire that, you know, that guy who coached the, at the youth level because we heard he's pretty good. Well, wait a second. Yeah, I, I know that the German Federation, they did it. Um, I don't know if they still do it, but um, many years ago when I was playing, a lot of their former players, they would just put right into the coaching programs and then start assistant coaching those youth teams. And so that the, the, the structure between youth all the way up through the senior women's national team in terms of how they're going to play as a country and who they are and what they're training on is consistent. Um, and I think that that's definitely something the U S soccer can, I think they're missing out on, and I'm not saying I would ever want to do this, but there are so many amazing former players who have coaching minds that all they need is just a little bit of support and like a runway and a path into coaching some of the youth programs. Um, I don't. I don't have a name off the top of my head. You guys probably know more of the former players who are coaching. Marn Minor. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. it makes sense. Um, not every player is going to be a good coach. I'm one of those people. I'm like rah rah rah. I'm not going to tactilely <laughs> like break down the defense like Mia and Julie can, but I will can motivate you like that's what I'll do <laughs> we need to bring you in as the sports psychologist exactly um and not everybody's fit for it but there has to be a system in place because you're taking 
the very best soccer minds in the world and then not utilizing them to help develop and not for nothing, but like a youth kid. When I was 18 years old, Michelle Akers came to one of our practices and played, played with us. She was 35. It was like the last year of her, her career. And I was beyond, she wasn't coaching. She was just playing. I was just like so excited that I got a chance to play with one, one of these senior women national team players. And like what, cool opportunity that could be for some Mm -hmm. of these youth players to talk to, to learn from even off the field, not just like technically and tactically on the field to learn what a player on the senior women's national team, how they think, how they talk, how they act. Mm -hmm. That's something that we can do. That's like a no brainer and easy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say the, the good news to come out of all of this is that Everyone was saying 32 teams could be too many. We're going to have all these crazy games. Yeah. And what we saw, I mean, in the way Australia and New Zealand embraced it, like like the crowds around those games, and especially as Australia makes this deep run, I I, I, I was like, oh, I just loved it. I, I, Same. And when, as we've talked about, these teams that, you know, we didn't expect to have the success they did. I mean, look at Colombia, look at Nigeria. I mean, when that is that is a new day for both of them and many other teams. So that I think there are a lot of positives, and the fact that the United States did not have a great World Cup, and hopefully, we can gather the great minds together and say, okay, some some uh, you know, an Olympics that wasn't fantastic, a World Cup that wasn't fantastic, and let's figure this out going forward but it's going to take a lot of a discussion and um massaging for have sure have you guys reached out to any of the the current players personally i have not no i'm they probably don't want to hear from me oh see this is this is i think the the thing like i i waited a, a bunch of days to reach out to a couple of them and we know what it's like to lose and the heartbreak of it. And to me, it's like when you lose in the world cup, that happened to me three times, you have such a short time until you kick off in the Olympics. Right. It's like, this is such a beautiful moment where they get to incubate their heartbreak and turn it into something so beautiful. Mm. Um, and so I reached out to a few of them personally. And I just think that like, let this one fucking hurt. Like Mm -hmm. hear and listen to every criticism, every single thing that the people are sitting on that Fox soccer desk are saying, listen, and then use that shit. Cause like, I love, like we're athletes. If somebody like brushed my shoulder on, on the field, I'm like, Oh, it's on, you know, like (laughs) I can find anything to motivate me. And it's like, okay, like what do I need to do to like clear Mm -hmm. the vision, get rid of, all of the distractions if need be, even if it's making me money, like I need to focus on playing and I need to figure that out and we need to figure out how to come together, right? Uh, Obviously it'll be more difficult until they hire a head coach, Um, but man, this is an exciting time because- Gabby, I'm ready to go play. Let's go. Nobody loves loves a good, this is a good comeback story. You know what I mean? Like this is what, this is why people love watching sport because people fall mm. down, but you get a chance to get back up. Oh, yes! Mic drop! Yes, hey, yeah. Let's go! Yeah. This episode, I just knocked over my mic. I'm so excited. <laughs> drop the mic! 
and I would I would say this too to you, Jules and Mia. Like, man, these players need us more than ever, and like mm. our 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 vision and our ability and our we've been retired for so long. We have a macro vision, but we also know what it feels like to be in this moment that they're in. Like they're feeling lost and they're feeling heartbroken. Mm -hmm. They're feeling like it was their fault. <laughs> like all of that shit, like it's good stuff. It's all good stuff. So I don't know if you felt like you wanted to mm, reach that's out nice. for sure. That's so well said, Abby. And I agree. And I, you know, and I think that's also part of it. I, you know, we can link these different generations together and, um, and help, uh, I hope that's part of the, the solution going forward is one of, one of the, the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. I mean, look, the next decade in this country is going to be so soccer. It's going to be yeah. soccer. I know. And wouldn't it be awesome to like have a championship team that we can all ride yeah. on their coattails? Yeah. I know the numbers were insane. It's wild. You know? and, and even in the middle of the night, I mean, I know those are prime times, yeah. the earlier ones, but like the numbers globally are insane. Like there's so much good, great, fantastic momentum on the women's side and in soccer in general, not just the women's side. It's but I, I, I think right now, you know, it's so easy to like criticize and say what went wrong and but not a lot of people are rushing to be like, hey, listen, I want to help be part of the solution. Like, um, and I know, you know, all three of us want to help. Like you were talking about, Abby, whether it's reaching out to players, but trying to figure out, like, how do we continue to help this program be the best program in the world? Uh, because we have the players to do it. And, you know, I, I want to be a part of those solutions because it's 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 easy to sit here and, you know, point fingers and say it's this person's fault or that person's yeah. fault. Um, you know, when the U.S. is on, they play with intensity and joy and, um, you know, everyone fears them. And I want to bring that back because it's in those players. You see it weekly in the NWSL. And, um, you know, I'm excited for the next year for them because, you know, like Abby said, I think a lot of them are going to come back with this huge chip on their shoulder and ready to prove so much. And, um, you know, so any way that we can be of help to them, like I'm all in. And the good news is they only have 11 months to wait. Because yeah. we got an Olympics right around the corner. I think that's actually a good thing. It's like, you can do you anything in yeah. 11 months. Yeah. You can you can get as fit as you've ever fucking been. I've done it. Lost the World <laughs> Cup. And I'm like, all right, I'm just doing everything I possibly can to get fit for this Olympics. You can do it. And, and, and they have the pieces. Mia, like you said, they have the pieces. When this head coach gets named, you know, it's a really awesome thing that in, in sport you get to reset you know, you do get to reset and you get to get a new group of people in. So my dream and hope is that they utilize the people in inside of U.S. soccer and also those former players to however they feel, how their best vision of, of how we can best, because we're all here. We want this team to be dominating every single time. Um, and not because it's ego. It's like, I'm a fan. Like I love watching the games and I'm up and I'm, you know, 
bitching and cursing at the ref like I'm the player. Like that is what makes the team so special is because we care and we love it so much. And I know the players do too, so. And I love you too so much. You. You, Jules. Uh, no, I love you. <laughs> uh, you guys are the best. Thank you for doing this and taking the time. Uh, thanks as well to our dope village for going on this World Cup journey with us. Thank you, as always, to Ally for their continued support of Laughter for Mid... Uh, what's, what's the name of your podcast, Jules? <laughs> the laughter, laughter Fermitted? <laughs> Fermented? Too many Little League games. Too many Little League. Too much talking to people. Oh, God. A lot so of talking. So many people. So many people. You were made for it, Jules. You That's were true. made for it. You're good at it. All right. Thank you to Ally for their continued support as well of Laughter Permitted. And we can't ha- wait to hang with you all again soon because season 10 is just around the corner in the fall. Whoop. Woo! Okay, so how we've been finishing these, Mia and Abby, is we're gonna give a little ooza, 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 at the end. Okay. Lynn, do you wanna count us in, Lynn? Oh, I have to defer to the goats. Are you kidding me? Abby is and Mia. Is it on three or at three? Or? Jules, you gotta count us in, because that's how I first learned this yeah. shit. All right. There on we three. go. One, two, three. Ooza, 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 ooza. You can do anything in 11 months.